You're listening to Proselytize. Or Proselytize. What's up, David? What's up, bud? Hey, I, I need a nickname for you on this show, man. D- David's a pretty generic name. I, I've been thinking about it, and I think I want to call you the Russell. The Russell? Can I call you, Why is that? Kind of like, kind of like Brussels sprouts, kind of like, um, kind of like Brussels, Switzerland. Isn't Brussels in Switzerland? Somewhere. It's, it's somewhere in Europe. <laughs> Russell, Russell's your last name, and that's a that's a pretty dope name. So I think from here and out on the show, I'm going to call you the Russell. Yeah, well, you know that's that's what Brandon calls me. You know, he calls, calls you the Russell. Last name here, <laughs> dude. This this is this is proof for the existence of God right here. That like I started calling you the Russell on the very episode that uh, our our guest calls you that. Man, that there's no way that's that's a coincidence. We're gonna. We're gonna. I'm gonna text Jordan, our atheist buddy, right after this, and I'm sure he'll convert immediately. <laughs> I'm sure he will. Yeah, man. So how have you been? I've been good, man. It's a little stressful today. My computer's not working. Uh, <laughs> it took me a half an hour to get Audacity up on this, and mm-hmm. yeah, my Skype isn't working on the computer. So we're doing everything by phone. So. Um, other than that, training is, is going great. I got a lot of my training done. I still got a few more classes left. Brandon knows what that's all about. So, um, yeah, other than that, man, that's been it. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you, man. I've been, uh, you know what? One of my pet peeves is when people are always like, I oh, man, I'm, I'm just so busy. Cause I mean, that's such a, an uncreative thing to say about your life. Like you're busy because you've chosen to be busy. And so. I, I, but, but it's very true of my life right now. Like work has been just, just wild and we're, we're closing on our house on the 30th. So I want to get moved. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked about that. I want to get moved out of this house. So I'm not paying rent and mortgage. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure you'd be very willing to, to come over here and, and help me move. Um, when I do that, so I'm, I'm volunteering you to do that. Sure, man. As long as you can come over and help me get the leaves out of my backyard. Yeah, we can do a little labor swap. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, hey, we have a guest on the show. Uh, I believe it's your coworker, David. Uh, sorry, the Russell. Um, so, so Russell, can you introduce our guest? Yeah, uh, his name is Brandon Feldman. Uh, Feldman, and uh, we work together. And what's really interesting is, is he's a pagan. And so I thought, wow, what a good idea to have him come on the show because. Me and him have conversations left and right. So, welcome, Brandon. How's it going, guys? Glad to be here. Good. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious how you guys got to talking about religion. Like uh, like Brandon, did did the Russell come up to you and and say, "Do you have a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior?" Like, is that how that got started? You know, that sounds like something he'd say. Honestly, I, I don't recall. You know, they always say, don't talk religion at work, but inevitably it happens anyway. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. So you guys are both, you're, you're also a security guard, Brandon? Yeah. Cool. I've been for some time now. Cool. How long have you guys been working together? 
So well, I started there, what was it, last August. So coming up on a year now. Nice, nice. Time flies, man. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, so why don't we, we let you start off here, Brandon, and just kind of share a, a little bit about your religious worldview. I don't know a lot about paganism. Uh, I was doing a little research today. But if you could share kind of how you were raised, like if you were raised in a specific religion, um, and, and then how you embraced paganism. I'm, I'm guessing you weren't raised as a pagan. You may have been. Just not many people in our nation have been. You know, so I'd kind of be interested in hearing that journey for you. No, I most certainly was not raised pagan. Uh, it's a bit of a, a long story, but I'll try to keep to the major plot points. I was actually raised in a reasonably Jewish household. My grandparents were pretty religious. My parents, a little less so. Um, and, I, and I stuck with that for the better part of my life until I was about 17 or 18. Um, and as most things do in a man's life, my journey started because of a woman. And uh, this girl that I had met when I was a senior in high school, and she was kind of into some of the spiritual stuff, you know, things like tarot card readings and crystals and all that kind of stuff, a little bit of Wicca. Kind of piqued my interest. I was mildly intrigued by it, started looking into it a little. Uh, unfortunately, you know, some years later, uh, she passed away from suicide, and that was mm. really devastating for me. This was, a, you know, someone I was particularly close to, and I often say this was some, the first person I legitimately fell in love with. Um, mm. And it was during that time after she passed away where I really felt like my faith was coming into question. I'd reached out to God a number of times and never, never got anything, you know, nothing like a sign or, or uh, you know, you know, any kind of comfort or, or anything for that matter. I just felt alone and abandoned. Um, and shortly after that had happened, I'd met a friend of mine. Uh, who she also was into, you know, Wicca and, you know, some of the, the pagan stuff. And, you know, she had encouraged me to, to look into alternative beliefs, you know, stuff like the spirits of the ancestors, various different gods, you name it. And I kind of put my, my religious faith kind of to the side and as I was exploring that. And over about seven years or so it took me, uh, and I just kind of... One day, kind of as a as a joke, I uh, asked Thor to help me out getting my car out of a out of the snow, and, uh, and like I said, it was more or less a joke. But it really happened for me. The first time I went to get my armed certifications, uh, I'd never shot a firearm in any kind of competitive or, or qualifying kind of style with any sense of speed. I'd never really practiced drawing from a holster. So I was, you know, understandably nervous. And I would reached out and I said, you know what, let me just give this a try. And the night before I had, you know, tried to reach out to Thor and, you know, being that they're gods of, of war, I thought, you know, it might be appropriate being that I'm about to go, you know, qualify with a weapon. And the day of the qualifier, I get up and I get on the range, and this wave of calm that I did not expect, given how nervous I was, just washed over me. And I passed the qualifier barely by the skin of my teeth, had plenty of work to do, but it was just this sense of calm that I'd had going into something I had no experience with, 
very little preparation for it, and uh, it paid off. And it was at that time that I kind of decided to start exploring paganism a little more. And, and I found that, in particular, the Norse gods were the ones that kind of fit with my worldview. Um, interesting thing I came to, to understand about paganism in particular is it's not necessarily worshipping specific gods or deities. It's the idea that there's a multitude of them out there. Yeah. My, my particular belief is I may worship the Norse gods, but I completely recognize that the God of Abraham is out there, and he's there for some people and others he's not. And, you know, if, if that's who you choose to follow, that's who you choose to follow. I don't take any issue with that. I just I found that paganism being more open and kind of allowing for, you know, whatever fit you best was what I needed at that time. And it's just what I've stuck with, and it's worked for me. Yeah. Right on. You, you know, it's funny. He, he kind of worships the Norse gods here. And it's funny because when I met Feldman, the first thing we clicked on was politics. Mm-hmm. So it's so funny because we're both constitutional conservatives, and me and him actually have a lot more agreement as far as constitution goes than me and you. So I thought it was yeah. really funny. I thought I'd just bring that out there because we're both constitutional con- conservatives that believe in in the value of uh, individual liberty and so forth. Yeah, you know, you know, if you agree with a pagan more than me, then you you better examine your beliefs, bro. Yeah, you know, and you know it, you know it. There's something there, man. Or maybe, or maybe we just know the truth of of what we believe, and you're wrong. Hey, that that could be a possibility. I mean, I, maybe, maybe you're putting some ice of Jesus on the text. I'm very, I'm very rarely wrong, but it it could. It could happen. I, I do recognize that very slight possibility. Right on, right on. And that was one of the things that for me was like the essence of, of paganism was this idea of individual choice that just really clicked with me being a constitutional conservative. Yeah. You know, what is interesting to me, though, is that, you know, you know, our Constitution does derive its ethics from the Judeo-Christian faith, and yet you hold to that, but still, look at him shaking his head. But still, you know, you you accept the the paganism aspect. So how does that how does that mesh with your worldview? You know, it really doesn't. I think you'd actually be surprised at how similar the teachings and beliefs of people, at least in respect to the Norse gods, and that's all I can really speak to because that's all I've done the majority of my research on. There's actually a lot of similarities in the teachings about you know how to treat people, how to be a decent person. I mean, obviously, the the big issue we have with the Norse uh, belief system is that they didn't they themselves didn't write anything down, you know. So it's all oral oral tradition that was written down, you know, many many years later. Whereas with you know Judaism and Christianity, it was written down at the time it was happening. Um, but there's a lot of stuff, in particularly uh, the poem the Havamal and the Poetic Edda, which the best analogy I can give it would be the Norse equivalent of the book of Proverbs, if you will. It's, it's essentially just a, a long laundry list of advice and wisdom that Odin has given to, to man. And a lot of it is, it translates well to a modern uh, Western ideology. And when was, when was that written down? Do you know? I don't recall specifically. What I will say is this: there's there's 
two primary sources we generally look at uh, regarding Norse mythology. You have the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda. The Prose Edda was written sometime in, I think, the 13th century, very heavily influenced by the Christianization of uh, the Nordic countries. The Poetic Edda, however, given the language, is often regarded as, while it may have been written by Christian scholars, the, the language is similar enough to that with, that is found in its limited capacity in Old Norse that is believed to be relatively authentic, even if not 100% accurate, uh, to the beliefs that would have been uh, expressed by the people of that time, at least in my research. And again, I'm no... I'm no scholar, so you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. This is, you know, what I've come to understand through my research. Okay, yeah, and I want to get back to that, but I first want to see why Titus is the only person that I know that says that the Constitution didn't derive from Christian Judeo ethics. Now, I I understand we're not a Christian nation in the regards of like, you know, we don't, you know, establish one religion over the entire thing, but as far as our ethics go. I mean, it does derive from that. Why would you say no? I'm I'm the only person you know who denies that. Like, you're non-Christian? Absolutely. Every scholar that I've consulted on this, from uh, Larry Arn from the Hillsdale College, uh, who's the lead professor there, uh, and everybody that I know, <laughs> and they, they even most atheists admit that it comes from that. So, I mean, that's just funny to hear you say that the ethic doesn't derive from it. Okay, it's a very complicated response, but I'll, I'll try to give it in a nutshell. Do it in a nutshell. Okay, right back to paganism. I can see how there are values that are derived from the Bible that were applied to the Constitution. I, I see that. However, what I don't agree with is that the Constitution derives its values from specifically the teachings of Jesus. So when I look at the Bible, I, I don't read it in a flat way. I I prioritize the teachings of Jesus, and then next is the teachings of the apostles and the rest of the New Testament, and then, you know, finally would be the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. So that's kind of how I I view the Bible in terms of authority. Um, And so when when you examine the teachings of Jesus, uh, like love your enemies, that certainly is not going to work for any secular nation. care for the poor, uh, you know, you guys, I, I'm not sure about the Constitution per se, but most conservatives would say that the government is not, it should not be responsible for caring for the poor. You know, it should be the church or family that should do that. Um, so, so there, you, I, I'm assuming you're saying it shouldn't, that, that wasn't derived from Jesus' teachings. Um, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, these things will never work for, for a government. Like, you can't, you can't have that attitude and, and that, that Jesus preached as the ideal and, and be successful in a, in a secular government. Um, so that, that's a few of the teachings of Jesus. That, that's why I'm saying I don't think that a, a secular country can be based off the teachings of Jesus. It's not what, it, uh, it's not what the teachings of Jesus are, are for. It's not what they're designed for. Um, and And... The other thing is a lot of the, the morals that I think the Constitution uh, pulls from are, are morals that every religion generally agrees with. Like, I, I think you would be very hard-pressed to say that like capitalism, for example, can be derived from Jesus' teachings or from the New Testament. Like, 
it's just it's not there if anything you could say that like the the church in acts was socialist like they had all things in common and i'm not advocating socialism for america at all not even but okay all right so go ahead socialism isn't voluntary <laughs> sure but sure none none of the teachings of jesus or the apostles were meant to be forced down people's throats and that's exactly what governments do even paul said that that a man is worth his wager right i mean that's that's just simple simple bible right there um but you know i look at god in and this brings us back to the to the to, to god in the whole i look at all of scripture you know and yeah i prioritize the, the teachings of jesus but i do see uh a very good constitutional republic that does its best to deal with the fallen world but back to paganism i want to get back to that because that's what we're here <laughs> for today um so yeah so that's the, one of the things that bothered me about paganism and maybe you can explain this better is you know your eddas and uh, you, you know i i read a lot about that you know and but my problem is what what are the gods to you are they sovereign well, see, it, it, the thing with paganism is it's a very broad term, and it's different to different people. Like my friend who had really helped me start this journey, she still considers the God of Abraham to be the almighty being at the top of the food chain. But she also recognizes that there are other lesser spirits that are just as valuable. In my case in particular, I look at them not so much as sovereign rulers, but honored friends and kin that I stand alongside instead of kneel before. And that was another thing that really stood out to me in particular with the, the Norse tradition, being that I am a constitutional conservative, I don't believe in kneeling before anybody, including God. I believe that a, you know, a just and righteous God, for me, is one who I stand alongside. And that was something that appealed to me about the pagan tradition, because I don't know with much of Christianity, but I know in, in Judaism, one of the things that you do is anytime God's name is mentioned in prayer, you bow your head before him. I understand that, you know, to some that's a sign of respect, and, and I don't discount that. To me, it just felt like, you know, acknowledging that there is someone above me. And to me, that felt like sacrificing my free will. So I look at the gods more as friends and kin rather than sovereign rulers. So, so you don't worship them is what you're saying. No, not in the traditional sense. I don't pray to them in the traditional sense. I don't. I, I don't look at them as. I mean, I look at them as beings of greater power, but not as rulers or people who are necessarily above me in the sense of a strict hierarchical uh, rule. Yes. Yeah, so, so here's here's an interesting thing that you're saying is that you know there's. Your friend said there's like a hierarchy. So do you, do you hold to that, that there's, you know, like one God that rules them all type of thing, kind of like the ring, you know? <laughs> um, I suppose it's possible, uh, and I don't discount that it, it could very well be the way that things are. For me, I look at that, that, that higher power, if you will, as essentially being chaos and the absence of order more than a singular all-powerful being. Yeah, I'm about to say because if it was some sort of being, wouldn't that just be a another form of monotheism with you know spirits chucked in with it that have superhuman strength? It could be argued. I mean, obviously there's a hierarchy within the structure of deities. You have your chief deities, and you have 
their sons and the you know the various different ones underneath them. But again, I don't look at it as if the deities themselves are sovereign over me. They might they are sovereign within their established hierarchy, but not necessarily over those who follow them. So so let me get this straight because because this is this is what it ultimately comes down to, and you know for me. Any worldview needs to be able to be, cause correspond to reality and be coherent. And with a multitude of gods, I run into so many problems, whether it's the law of non-contradiction or, or anything else. But, um, or, I mean, let me, let me just name one. Um, yeah, the law of non-contradiction is one. And then the fact that, you know, there's so many gods that can actually die. You know, so how do you how do you go about that? How do you explain that? How do these gods die? Why do they die? Odin's dead in Ragnarok, right? As are most of them, in fact. Yeah. Um, I think I think it boils down to a, a a difference of definition. Whereas in the Judeo-Christian tradition, God, to me, he comes across more of like a, a force of nature. Uh, and, and less of a, 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 a person. He's a personified force of nature, much like many of the pagan gods were, but in in a way that is all-encompassing. Um, to me, a God doesn't necessarily have to be truly immortal to be a, a God. I mean, we as human beings worship, worship people like God, like gods, in a manner of speaking, in the way that we treat celebrities, for example. It doesn't make them necessarily a god, but we treat them as such because they hold such authority and power in certain circles. And I think that's kind of how that's kind of how it, it translates in paganism. I mean, it, and, and I mean, look at something like Jesus Christ. You know, in, in some circles, he's worshipped as, you know, as the human incarnation of God. And he himself did not. Yeah, so so that would have to, I'd have to lead into that as far as what is the nature of ultimate reality then? For you. For me, yeah. it's really hard to say. Uh, because keep in mind, a lot of my upbringing is through a, uh, you know, a, a Jewish lens of life. You know, I've spent the first 18 years of my life as a practicing Jew. Um, Here's, what it boils down to me is faith and religion, they evolve over time, you know, and given for me that it's not necessarily that one God is right and one God is wrong, but that they're all out there for whomever to follow, I don't, I don't have a problem recognizing that certain aspects of the Judeo-Christian tradition have more substance. I mean, it, what it boils down to is that there's so little written on the beliefs and practices of these ancient gods, just about any pan, it's hard to nail down a cohesive, all-encompassing worldview. Yeah, that, that's, for me, that's, that's too incoherent for me, you know, because, uh, you know, it, it just, it doesn't mesh well, it doesn't sit well with me, because, I mean, you got these guys warring, and this is what I wanted to bring it into, because you were talking about you know, we're talking a little bit about right and wrong. I mean, where do you get a basis for that? Because I know you're a constitutional conservative. I know you believe in the right and wrong. 
you know, you believe in freedom, you believe that's an actual good thing. So, I mean, how do you justify if God A doesn't know what God B is going to do and God B tells you to do this, but it contradicts what God, you know, the other God says? <laughs> how do you mess with that? I mean, well, what's objective morality to you? Well, to the point where, you know, one God may not know what the other God is saying. I mean, isn't that the nature of human reality? We all say different that, that, things. We must agree on anything but the, yeah, that's to, reality get, we're talking about gods <laughs> yeah, to get to the point yeah if you look at some of the poems particularly the Havmal, the one i was referencing there's there's a number of things in there that speak to a measure of an objective morality um to give you one example there's a, a stanza early on that talks about how you're supposed to treat a wanderer who comes to your home looking for shelter things that you know Invite him inside, offer him food and drink and warm clothes, let him sit by the fire. I mean, that, that's not dissimilar from what, you know, a Christian teaching would be on, on the subject, to my understanding. Um, like I said, it's, it's really hard to nail down an all-encompassing worldview with a faith that so little was ever put to paper. You know, we have yeah, all, of the, have all of the texts. We have all of the texts for Judaism and Christianity. It's very easy to, to see the cohesive worldview. But when the worldview was shared primarily as an oral tradition, things get lost over the ages, and it becomes a little harder. Yeah. So instead of following a lost worldview, I don't, I'm going to invite you to be a Christian today. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. You won't be the last. More, hey, man, it's more cohesive. Jesus rose again. You know, I mean, he's 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 the Alpha and the Omega. You know, he's the higher power. There's, uh, the I'm, glad you, I'm glad you bring up. I'm glad you bring up the story of Jesus rising again because I would like to share with you there is a God in the Norse pantheon. Who does the same? Okay. So, the story of Ragnarok, as I'm sure you're aware, is the, the twilight of the gods, the great yeah. war to end, to end the world, right? At the end of Ragnarok, the god Baldr, one of Odin's sons, rises from hell. Different hell, different spelling, same concept, it's the underworld. Yeah. But he rises from hell and then becomes the new chief of the gods. He, help, he rebuilds the world, if you will. Well, that's, that's depending. It's a similar principle. Falling all over the place here. That depends <laughs> on your interpretation, right? Because Boulder also was able, was trying to, uh, I heard he didn't come back from the, the text I was reading. Again, it depends on which text you read. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it can get somewhat tricky because there are plenty of texts that are written through a Christian lens. Exactly. You know? So who's borrowing from who there, Feldman? So... I believe that version comes. I believe that version comes from the prose Edda, which was written by a Christian hundreds of years after the end of the Viking Age. Um, but again, it it serves to go back to my my point that religions and and faith and belief can evolve over time. You know, they they don't have to be rigid. Hey, so Titus, I want to get you in here real quick. You have anything you want to add to this, or um. Well, it sounds kind of like David, you're you're saying, "Hey, look, your religion doesn't make sense." Um, <laughs> which I understand, <laughs> which I understand because you're a Christian, um, and it doesn't make sense to me either. Um, but that's because I'm a Christian, and generally, 
if we have a certain worldview that we were raised in, everything else sounds crazy. I'm, I'm, but I'm fully aware that if someone had never heard of Christianity and I would try to tell them about this guy who died and, and rose again and you can be washed in his blood, like they would flip out. Like, I don't want to be washed in anyone's blood, you know? So I, I, I appreciate that our religion sounds crazy too. Um, but, but here's the question I would have um, for you, Brandon, is... And we always bring this question up. We talked about it in our last episode. Do you believe that there's objective religious truth regardless of what people believe about it? In other words, if I would decide that I have a certain God and I name him Bartholomew Kermutza or something, and I would start worshiping this God and a whole tradition would grow out of this, this worship, is that a legitimate religion? Uh, if I if I have no basis for believing that this God exists, or um, it, are there objectively gods that exist and legends about gods that do not exist? Uh, you, I think you kind of get where I'm going with the question, um, but I'm just wondering what you think about that. I do, and for me, what it boils down to is that's how every religion started. Someone thought they spoke to a god and developed a worldview around that based on what they believed. I mean, the whole point of faith is that it's belief without concrete evidence. Now, that's not to say there isn't evidence of certain stories. For example, the, uh, the Ten Plagues of Egypt. We know now, scientifically, that such things could have happened. Um, but the whole point of faith, whether it be religion or spirituality, is believing without concrete evidence. We, none of us here know... What lies at the end of the road? None of us know for certain what happens after death. We believe because we have reason to believe, and that's all we needed. So you you kind of explained how religions are formed and how we come to our beliefs, or how a lot of people come to their beliefs. But but I'd like to separate that question from the question of what actually exists. You know. Uh, it, it's one thing to describe how human beings have often come to believe that certain gods exist. It's another question entirely whether or not those gods exist. So my question is whether or not certain gods exist, regardless if people believe in them or not. You know, and 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 if certain gods do not exist, regardless if people believe in them or not. You see the difference there? I do. And again, for me, it's. <laughs> It simply boils down to faith. For me, I can only believe what I see as far as reality and what I've experienced. You yeah. know, for me, I experienced a connection with the Norse gods. I've communicated with them. I've, I've gotten messages and, and comfort from them. And that's, you know, I believe in my own experience. I believe in what I can see and what I experience. And... Whether I'm right or wrong, I'll find out one day. You know, I. But again, you know, the whole point of faith is you believe even if there's no evidence to believe it. You see, and that's the, whether that, that's right or wrong. You know, you know, Brandon, that's that's the opposite of Christianity. You know, Christianity is it, you know the very word pistos in the Greek is where we derive biblical faith from, which is uh, trust. You know, we trust in. We understand that there's belief that, but we also have belief in. So we believe that Christ rose again based off the evidence, right? We have minimal facts that we go off of when it comes to the resurrection, such as he was crucified, he was buried three days, and there was an empty tomb, 
and, and you know, we have not only does that correspond with the early manuscript data, the first century that comes from the people that actually knew it, you know, because Christianity is not a religion where men work, uh, um, you know, well, men work up to God, you know, Christianity is a religious work. God works down to man. He, 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 he comes to man. He becomes a man. And he claimed, Jesus claimed to be God. You know, he famous passage in John chapter 8 when he says, before Abraham was, I am, using the word ego eme, which you should know from your, you know, your Jewish teachings, that ego eme is the same I am in Exodus. You know, so he says, I am. And that's what, that was his whole claim. And then not only that, but we, we correspond that with archaeological data and so on. So, I mean, our faith is, is based in evidence, and that's what we go off of. So our, our, I guess that would be a, a little difference that we would have, right, Titus? Well, you would certainly have that because you're an apologist. I would say a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians just roll with, with kind of what Brandon's describing, that sort of faith. Um, so I guess the real question here is— Faith, then. Uh, not faith, faith as defined by like an atheist who says that Christians are idiots for having faith. Faith as it defined by, faith as defined, you know, believing something without evidence, which I'm not convinced that that's what the Bible means by faith either. Um, but the, the real question is, the real question is, what mechanism should we use to determine religious truth? Should we, de- should we go off of evidence, or should we use this sort of believing something even if we don't have objective evidence? And, and I'm curious, Brandon, what you think about that, because the way you describe your religion is, you know, you, you've had experiences, which is a type of evidence, actually, um, but, but you have a, a faith that doesn't necessarily require evidence, whereas David is pretty, pretty much about the evidence, right? So, so how, how would you respond to that? Well, I, first, I'd like to say maybe I, I may not have explained it quite as well. It's not that there's a total lack of evidence. It's that with Christianity, I acknowledge there is scientific evidence to corroborate the stories in the Bible, whereas there isn't so much with Norse mythology, and that may be because of how much of it was lost. Um, it's it's more it's more just that, you know, I, I believe because of my experiences, which for a lot of Christians is why they believe. They've communicated with their God. I'm not saying that one is right and one is wrong. Like I said, for me, it's the idea that they're all out there, and it just it, it depends which ones speak to you. For all I know, the ultimate end of, uh, of faith is, is what the Christians and the Jews say it is, that there is, a, there is a singular God and there is a heaven, and that's where you go if you're righteous. But how you get there is where I choose to, is where I differ because of my own experiences. So, yeah, yeah to me, I hear what you're saying, that they're all out there, and that, you know, the God of Abraham could be out there and stuff like that, but if the God of Abraham is out there, and he's like, I am the only one, I mean, you know that that's what he said, you know, I am the Lord is one, right? Well, if you actually look at the translation of the Ten Commandments, he simply said to worship no other god before him, not that he was the only god. Yeah, but you're at, you're you're referencing Exodus, what is it, 23, right? 20, 20 verse 3. I, I is, couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm no biblical scholar either, so. 
Well, that's why you got me here, right? If my memory serves, the actual translation is worship no other god before me. Because right. the Canaanites, the people who became the Jews, they were pagans. They were polytheists. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I'm just going to push back on that just a little bit because, you know, I have to. Um, mm. <laughs> but, okay, so there's a there's been i understand that's a prominent view among some scholars that that they said that the jews recognized other gods that's actually been a big thing that's a resurgence that's come within this last century alone um but if you can and this is this is what bothers me about people and reading the bible you know they don't read the whole context moses explains what he meant by that in in verse 20 20 or 23 when he talks about idols specifically, when he's talking about no other gods. So he gives further detail on that exact commandment. And that's what a lot of people kind of gloss over because it fits with them. They kind of cherry pick it. And I'm not saying that you did that on purpose or you did that, but, you know, um, read it all because it does explain it. And the context does explain it. Titus looks like you want to say something. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to sort of agree with Brandon here. Um, not that paganism is correct, but... From from my research, the the term gods in especially the Hebrew scriptures simply means spiritual beings, and Israel saw Yahweh as the the creator of the whole universe, including other spiritual beings. However, Yahweh was definitely not the only spiritual beings. Like like they lived in a a universe that was populated by many spiritual beings. However, Yahweh has no rival. He, he has authority over all these other spiritual beings or gods. You know, it, it can, it, it's often translated as gods, you know, even in the Hebrew scriptures. So um, it, it, it kind of comes down to semantics. Like, what do you mean by gods? Really if you simply it, mean, I mean, if you I mean, mean spiritual can, beings, Titus, it, there's, there's lots God. of gods. Well, go. Yeah, just let me go. But Titus, you know that you know just as well as I do. You got to read the Bible in context, and it is explained in that very context within that very same chapter, and it's very specifically talking about idols. <laughs> yeah, very. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not talking about the context of the Ten Commandments per se. I'm just saying the the what the Hebrews actually believed about the universe. You know, and and I mean it's confusing to say that they believed in multiple gods. I mean. It might as well just say spiritual beings, right? I mean, no, no, because because the Lord is one. I mean, the Jews have to write that on their their heads. They have to you know have it on the bands of their wrists. The Lord is one. There's only one God. Okay, so if, maybe you you talk about lesser like angels and stuff like that, seraphim. That's yeah. Fine. But when we're talking, when we're saying gods, I mean, we got to you got to differentiate that because there is no no other God, and that's that's yeah. Good, Brandon. Good. If, if I might piggyback on, on something that was said a moment ago, uh, I find it interesting. I've never actually heard a Jew use the name Yahweh. But aside from that, Yahweh was the name of a pagan deity in the Canaanite pantheon. Could it stand to reason? Possibly. Given what we know about how pagan traditions were practiced, that there were cults to specific deities and a group of people worshiped one deity over another could it be possible even in the remotest chance that judaism and by extension christianity may have in fact have its origins in a pagan pantheon which would explain the phrasing thou shall worship no other god before me 
because he was commanding that they work that they re, that they rebuke the other gods of the pantheon. No, absolutely not. Um, like I said, the text explains it. You have to read that for yourself. The text actually explains it. Um, um, but, but David specifically, no, no, because I, I want to piggyback off of that because um, I've never heard of Yahweh being uh, a a Canaanite god. You know, as far as the Jews go, you know, it's not even Yahweh, right? I mean, you put the vowels in there or whatever. It's just Y W. You know, you know, it's not. You know, it's a tetragrammaton. It's not. It's not a word. It's just we have four letters and then they they put words to it later on. You know, or other letters to it later on. I can't remember. I'm a little fuzzy, but it's been a long day. So, but yeah, I mean, that's not I, the the god of the the Hebrews, really distinct, fiercely monotheistic, and the fact that they were so fiercely monotheistic and detested paganism would kind of work against your your theory there. Go ahead, Titus. I know you want to say something. Oh, I mean, I I want to clarify something I said because people might freak out and be like, "Oh, Titus is a polytheist." Um, this is a heretic. We all do. What I'm, what I, what I believe is that there's one spiritual being who created everything, including other spiritual beings, and he has no rival. And I believe his name is Yahweh. Um, I, I do believe that a lot of the idols that other nations worshipped did have a spiritual dimension to them. Where you know this idol, the the cult that worshipped these idols could have been actually worshiping a real spiritual being. However, I would say that those are spiritual beings who are in rebellion to Yahweh and that ultimately are, are malevolent toward their followers. Um, so just to clear things up in case some Christians out there are freaking out <laughs> in a little bit. <laughs> Anything you want to add on to what I just said, uh, Brandon? Not really. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very complicated uh situation because like i said we've got you know we've got most of what we have is written through a christian lens christianity survived and paganism didn't you know and i I recognize that that can be hard to kind of reconcile but i mean history is full of belief systems that have changed and evolved over time and to suggest that it's not even remotely possible that the most predominant monotheistic tradition in human history could have started as a pagan belief. I, I, I just think it's it's naive to suggest that it's not even remotely possible. Well, I mean, you're well versed in the Old Testament, so you know the story of Genesis. You know Abraham's, he came out of that when he had an experience with God, right? So God revealed himself to him. I mean, that's the whole point of the, the, the Christian message is that God not only reveals himself to, to us, but then comes down and dwells with us, you know what I mean, and lives with us, you know, and, and provides a sacrifice, which is another problem I have with paganism. It doesn't provide a solution for what we know is wrong with the world. I mean, this goes back all the way to mankind. I mean, paganism really – and you see this throughout the cultures. You see, uh, um, you know – that they have to placate gods, you know, that because a natural disaster happens. And you see these gods that have specific purposes and specific roles. And I always had a problem with that. You know what I mean? They, they seem like it was more of their justification for natural disasters, you know, or, or trying to get a good harvest or, or whatever. They had a lot of stuff like that. Um, 
and, and you see that even in even in Norse paganism. You know, they had different roles. They had different 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 assignments to to them. Um, you know, you had a god of war, god of uh, of 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 mischief. You know, stuff like that. You know, and and it just it, it continued. You know, and Christianity for me, it, it stood out different. It provided a solution. It said, yes, you know, mankind has fallen, but you know what? There's redemption. And we know where you're going to go when you die, you know, and to me, it coheres with reality and science because, you know, I mean, the more we're discovering, like, like I said, we talk about the beginning of the universe and stuff like that and how it relates, you know, um, when God says, you know, um, he made the heavens and the earth, he made all of reality, you know, it starts with God, you know, and then you see the fall of man and then you see Jesus Christ comes to redeem, you know, and you see that it was prophesied. That he would come as a, as an a, you know an atonement for mankind, and then um, you know he makes these audacious claims, these radical claims that even most Jews rejected because they were you know wanting Messiah than David, right? They didn't want Messiah than Joseph, you know. They they thought there was a a war leader coming, you know, someone that was going to take over. However, they got the atoner, and I think that was the big you know, mystery that, you know, it was Jesus that, that came, you know, the, the atonement. And he said, you know, he said mankind, he, he re, you know, redeemed mankind, you know? So um, for me, that, that it's so cohesive with what we see in the world, you know, and, and it just, it meshes so well. Titus, you want any, you want to jump in anywhere? I was going to give the altar call after that sermon. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. We we should probably we should probably wrap up here shortly. Um I I'll, I'll give my last word and then we'll we'll hand it over to Brandon for for the last for the final word here. Um but I was going to say, you know, you 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 entered into paganism because of spiritual experiences you had. And I think that people come to their religious beliefs through different routes and for David it's through an intellectual assessment of the data of evidence and facts for you it was a spiritual experience and so we're all wired to come to our conclusions differently and so I would suggest you know I don't know if you've ever tried this but pray to Jesus pray to Yahweh and and say hey I believe in these other gods right now, and I'm praying to them. But if you are real, reveal yourself to me and and show me that clearly, and show me that in a in a way that's more powerful than any other experience I've had, and just see what happens. So I would just leave you with a challenge to do that experiment. Well, I would happily accept your challenge. Uh, I've tried, I have tried, and I've gotten nothing in return. So, like I said. For me, it's I don't discount the existence of the God of Abraham. He just isn't there when I need him. Whereas the gods of the Norse were. All right. Hey, that's all I can say, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's the yeah. I hear you, man. Um, religious experience is hard to one to kick. You know, I mean, it's it's it, it is part of the evidence is that that i use in my cumulative case because yeah evidence is a big factor and i think god is the best explanation like i said for beginning of the universe for objective morality um and for the resurrection of christ and the reliability of, of the scriptures we have and also for 
religious experiences. Um, I do believe that that you know those those religious experiences are testable. You know that you do test them, and you know it, it, sometimes you can get a, something that you think is a religious experience and then it's not. Um, and then there's sometimes that you know. It, you know, you can't disprove it. You know, you can't disprove someone else's religious experience. You know, so it is a powerful, a powerful, uh, powerful thing. So uh, I do recognize, and I, I want to say that I, I respect it. But uh, um, and it is part of the the overall cumulative case of why I believe in Christ. So um, other than that, yeah, man, that's all I got. Hey, Brandon, thanks for coming on. This was great. Hopefully, we can have you on again sometime. Yeah, would you like to come I back on? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was fun, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I appreciate y'all having me on. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Later, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Proselytize or Apostatize. I hope it was helpful for you in your journey toward truth. One thing you can do to really help us out is leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. This episode was edited by Christian Sconewald with music by Kyle Skriloff. All right, see you guys next time.